Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is CAS, CIAC Commissioner Glenn Longarini. Commissioner Longarini, welcome. How are you? Doing very well, Pete. It's great to be back in studio. I know. With you this again. is actually you're my, you're my second in studio guest. So, welcome. How have you been? What's new? Things are going very well. Uh, we have an exciting spring season that's in progress right now, nearing the end of that. And we are preparing for the first state tournament. Uh, of the year since uh, we shut down last March due to uh, COVID with our state tournament. So uh, exciting times and glad these kids are getting good opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, let, now let's start with a recap of last fall and exactly what happened. Yeah, you know, it's been a busy year, Pete, and uh, we were grateful that last fall we were able to get most of our sports uh, onto the field for full competition. Uh, the only sport that we weren't able to get in in full, full contact composition uh, was football. Uh, with that, we were able to engage those kids in low to moderate risk activities, so we were still able to provide instruction. Kids were still able to get uh, moderate contact. They were still able to learn blocking progressions, tackling progressions, so they didn't lose a lot uh, in terms of preparing for, for moving forward. They were able to uh, engage in, in passing league type activities uh, as well, which we understand isn't the same as full contact, but we are glad that we can get some experience where at least those kids were together. Um, all of our other sports in the fall, uh, cross country, uh, field hockey, girls volleyball, boys soccer, girls soccer, uh, all were able to have uh, competitive seasons and culminate their season with a, a conference tournament, which we thought was important. And, you know, our focus as we got back was really on the, the mental health of kids as much as the physical health of kids. So being able to engage them with their coaches uh, with their teammates, uh, even when some districts were on hybrid schedules or distance learning, uh, you know, we thought was, was critical and, and really uh, gave the kids an opportunity to get back to some sense of normalcy uh, in the sports that they love. And a very successful fall season with the mitigating strategies mm -hmm. we put in place. Be, um, you know, we worked very closely with the Department of Health and are very grateful for uh, the continued collaboration that we have with them today. I mean, as you know, even as recently as last Thursday, mask mandates and things have changed. And this right. Wednesday, you know, some things will change a little bit more. So we continue that great collaboration uh, with the Department of Health and, and are grateful for their work in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what about the, as far as with, how's the school year looking so far? Yeah, we, we're seeing a nice progression with the school year uh, along with our sports. And so similarly, when we got back to school, you know, we weren't really sure what to expect and whether or not uh, schools were going to be a place where, you know, maybe some numbers rose or increase, particularly when we got to winter months, right? We weren't really sure um, how the numbers were going to react when we were primarily indoors. Uh, but again, I think through the leadership of the State Department of Education, the incredible work of our school administrators, our superintendents, our boards of education, our principals, and our teachers. You know, they've done an outstanding job of ensuring that we're uh, socially distanced within the schools, um, good policies with masks where we've kept kids safe. Likewise in athletics, our athletic trainers, our coaches, our officials, our athletic directors have done an outstanding job of ensuring that our kids are doing the things that they need to do uh, to stay safe and yet stay engaged. And our numbers play that out. In the fall season, uh, we had a very low uh, transmission rate uh, and, and really showed us that the 
uh, strategies that we're putting in place are successful. Now, what about the fall, fall sports? What's that, what's that look like? The, um, the fall sports, you know, again, we had a uh, coming up for next year, you mean, yeah. Peter? Yes. Yeah, so when we look forward to next year, uh, again, we see, uh, we're very optimistic about this. We see the majority of our schools uh, back into a full in-person learning at this point. Yeah. Uh, we're starting to see schools be able to give kids some more experiences like proms, uh, you know, and, and bring some of that normalcy back. We're very excited that, you know, we're in a place where the CDC is recommended and uh, Governor Lamont that, you know, it's comfortable in some situations to take masks off now, to not need to socially distance as much. Um, you know, I think our schools have done an outstanding job partnering uh, with their various health departments to offer vaccinations to their teachers as well as kids that are able uh, to receive the vaccinations at this point. So hopefully people get uh, keep getting vaccinated. And with that, we expect a, a on-time start to the fall season for all of our fall sports. Right. We expect full seasons. We expect state championships in all seasons, fall, winter, spring uh, next year, and are really excited to, to get back to normal sports operations. Now, what about, what is what exactly is the CIAC and what do you guys do? Sure, the, the CIAC is the governing body for interscholastic athletics for our member schools. Okay. So we are a private nonprofit organization and schools pay a membership fee to be part of our organization. And with that, uh, we work under the uh, direction of the National Federation of High Schools, which is the NFHS. Mm -hmm. uh, we subscribe to their rules of play for interscholastic athletics. Uh, with those, we distribute that out to our member schools. And then we also have other uh, rules, regulations around eligibility uh, for, for student athletes and, and try to you know, create as, um, you know, as, as level of a playing field as possible uh, for our kids. But it's all under the, the mission and the philosophy that education-based athletics are an extension of the school curriculum. Right. It's not about winning and losing. There is nowhere in our philosophy or our mission statement do we talk about winning and losing. Mm -hmm. It's about giving kids an opportunity to develop meaningful relationships and express their identity through the passion of sport and, and have those strong connections with their peers and their coaches. Now, you mentioned the NFHS. Actually, I had the, exec the executive director of the NF NFHS on with me not long ago. What a wonderful person. Dr. Niehoff is amazing. Oh. And, uh, you know, you talked about we're celebrating 50 years of, uh, of Title IX, right, the 50th anniversary. And, and when you just think about, you know, what, what Dr. Niehoff has done, um, especially in the state of Connecticut, her coaching career, her career as an athlete, um, a member school teacher, uh, a coach, and uh, she worked as a school principal to executive director, uh, and as my predecessor, she's been a great resource and has been a tremendous leader at the national level. Absolutely, absolutely. And she's just, a, the half hour that we had together, she just seems like a wonderful, wonderful person. Very humble and, oh, and just a, you know, again, just an, an outstanding leader and we're very fortunate to have her at the head of the National Federation. Now exactly with the, how close do you guys work with the National Federation? Very close, um, you know, at least on a weekly basis and oftentimes, you know, multiple times a week we're, uh, we're in contact and discussing things with the, uh, with the National Federation. For example, over the last two weeks, there's sure. been a lot of uh, conversation in the world of basketball about uh, instituting a shot clock. 
Uh, so, you know, looking at how the National Federation is, is looking at that uh, and then how that would play down to state associations and considerations uh, for us. So, you know, there's always constant communication uh, of all the sports that are taking place as well as student leadership opportunities. Again, a lot of people don't think in, you know, about the CIAC or the National Federation in terms of student leadership, mm -hmm. um, but we have uh, at CIAC an outstanding student equity advisory board, uh, a student athlete advisory board, a sportsmanship committee, uh, and those are all things that also under the guidance of NHVHS we share on a national level. So let's talk about some of, some of the advisory boards that you guys have with a little bit more detail. You know, one of the, the ones that we're really proud of that we started this year is the Student Equity Advisory Board, and, and that falls under the direction of Sharice Miller and Henry Rondon, two of our assistant directors at CIAC. Uh, and, and they have brought together uh, a collaboration of student leaders from across the state um, of all different backgrounds, different uh, um, years in school from freshmen to seniors, uh, males, females, uh, different races, ethnicities, uh, and have also brought together a lot of uh, teacher leaders and adult role models where we can have authentic conversations uh, about culture. We can have authentic uh, conversations about equity of opportunity uh, within our schools. And, and through that, our students develop projects that we'll be releasing in the next week or so to our member schools and will be shared with the State Board of Education uh, that highlight some of the uh, ideas and the pathways that our kids believe can strengthen our schools from an equity standpoint. And I tell you, if you if, when you listen to these kids, um, they just make you so proud. And uh, you know, they're, they're, they're true leaders, whether they're on the field or in the classroom and in our communities. And those are the type of programs that we're excited to offer uh, outside of the competitions that we offer through Interscholastic Athletics. Now, as far as spring sports go and spectators, how does that, how's that, how's that going? Are they, yeah, are they it, allowing spectators? It, it continues or? to be a bit of a, you know, a, a, an ever-changing, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, model of where we are. Right now, um, our, we follow the DECD sector rules. Right. And we will continue to do that throughout our playoffs. Now, with the mass guidance changing, you know, it gives us an opportunity to, again, adopt a little bit with that. So um, with the masks, we would uh, ask our fans and spectators, we understand that through the CDC guidance and the governor's plan that indoors or outdoors, if you're vaccinated, uh, you don't need to wear a mask. Right. Uh, however, again, we want to remind our, our fans that when you're going to interscholastic athletics, you're going to an education-based uh, experience Correct. where, again, our schools and our school systems largely will be keeping their mask mandates throughout the rest of this year. Absolutely. We want to keep our kids in in-person instruction. We also have to recognize that our kids, mm -hmm. many of them, are not fully vaccinated <clears throat> yet. Right. Right. Our, our 12 and overs have uh, just had the opportunity That's for right. about a week or so. Yep. So, you know, we need a little bit more time for those kids to get vaccinated and we don't want to put those kids at risk. So if our local health departments uh, within our school districts or local school district policy uh, has in place that uh, fans will still be required to wear face masks, then those fans should comply and do so. Again, it's about giving kids an opportunity, having kids safe uh, in the sports that we're playing. Absolutely. If they feel it's appropriate to follow the state guidance, then that's great. You know, the, then they'll have the opportunity to do that. 
Um, but you know, again, we just encourage our spectators at games. This, you know, this isn't uh, to argue or be, uh, you know, confrontational with anybody. Absolutely. It's just to keep kids safe and give them the best opportunity to get out, get out there and play and and enjoy those experiences that unfortunately we lost last year. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of experiences in the spring sports and plenty of experiences in the fall sports as well. Absolutely, you know, great, uh, as you said, great tournament play uh, upcoming in the spring and looking to full seasons next year. Absolutely, absolutely. And we got a little bit more time before the break, so what else we want to men mention really quick? Sure, I think, you know, with our uh, spring sports and our tournaments uh, coming up, we're also communicating and working with our league commissioners and our athletic directors right now, you know, about what that might look like. We, we can't forget that we're still playing in a COVID environment. Right. Even though there's a lot of positive things and, and we're moving in a good direction right now, we still have teams getting quarantined. Mm -hmm. We still have close contacts. And, you know, so, so that is something that, you know, we're working towards. Um, you know, we want people to understand to run a tournament. We have to have seatings. Right. We have to set a tournament. Absolutely. And and as we move fo you know, through that, if we have teams that go into quarantine uh, right before the tournament starts, yeah. right, that team's not going to be able to compete in the tournament. Exactly. They're not going to be out of quarantine in time. If a team goes into quarantine during the tournament, they're going to have to you know, forfeit that game that they were going to play. The, the team that they were supposed to uh, supposed to play would walk over to the next round, right. uh, and the tournament would continue. Again, there won't be enough time uh, to come out of quarantine and continue playing. And and for those other teams in in the tournament, you know, we can't keep delaying it. So we do have a a hard stop date of uh, June twelfth and thirteenth that weekend to finish our tournaments. Gotcha, Glenn. Would you mind sticking around for another segment? Be a pleasure. All Thanks. right, we'll be right back. After a long sheltered winter, we could all use some time outdoors to enjoy our amazing Connecticut trails. Join us for this year's Connecticut Trails Day celebration, June 5th and 6th. Registration opens May 20th to reserve your spot. Masks, social distancing, and pre-registration are required. To register and for updates on outdoor activities and places to explore, visit ctwoodlands.org. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest is Glenn Longarini from the CIAC. Glenn, welcome back. How are you? Doing very well, Pete. Thanks for sticking around. My pleasure. So, Glenn, we were talking a little bit of off-camera before we started taping tonight, and you and I have a mutual friend of Bob Rader. What sure. a great guy. You, you know, I think um, if, if there's a position more difficult than... Uh, what we're doing as uh, you know, sports uh, sports leaders right now. Yep. Boards of education is has <laughs> got to be right there. Oh yeah. You know, you, and oh, yeah. and to think of how they've had to manage this year with their superintendents and their school principals, uh, to to be able to adjust from a distance learning environment to a hybrid learning to a full in person, mm -hmm. to delivering meals to kids, uh, right. you know, transportation and 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 all the changes. 
that went with that. And, you know, Bob Rader is the executive director of the Connecticut Association of Boards of Education, mm -hmm. uh, has just done a tremendous job. And uh, all of our board uh, members who are elective officials in, in our schools and our communities and their chairs uh, certainly deserve a, a, a Congratulations and uh, and a big thank you for the work that they've done this year. Absolutely, I'm sure. I'm sure you 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 well you as well as I know, and you especially in your role, it hasn't been easy. No, hasn't it, been an easy year. You know, it, it hasn't been easy. But what keeps you grounded is every decision that you're making. You're trying to do what's in the best interest of kids. You know that there's some hard decisions that you have to make, uh, but you know when we're operating in a pandemic, for which there's no playbook. You know, nobody gave us the instruction manual of how, here's how you, no. you know, manage your way through it. And so, you know, I, I think when you keep the kids at the center of your decision making, keep their health and safety first, keep their uh, commitment to curriculum and instruction second, and then find those ways to engage them in meaningful extracurricular activities, whether it be sport or band or theater or you know what whatever it is that they enjoy that's what helps that mental health aspect uh, and engage the, those kids so uh, again our, our boards our superintendents administrators teachers trainers uh, have just done an outstanding job this year of keeping our kids engaged in very difficult circumstances Absolutely. how many schools do you guys represent we have 186 member uh, high schools Okay. And then um, on the uh, Connecticut Association of School Sides, when we factor in elementary schools and middle schools uh, as well, we are uh, just over 900 schools within Connecticut that we represent. Wow. Yeah. Pretty, it's pretty, a pretty big. Big size organization, um, you know, but, but again, good, um, you know, a good blend of elementary, middle, and high school. Uh, so we're able to develop programming and leadership opportunities from kids all the way from the elementary level to that transition of middle school, which is so critical, and then bringing those kids into the high school level where they can really start working on those goals and aspirations uh, post high school graduation. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about fall of 2021 and what fall sports are going to look like. Yeah, it's nice to look forward to that. Oh, and, absolutely. And it's nice absolutely. to, uh, you know, really look forward to that, especially in, you know, within two days where, you know, hopefully we're going to be taking off masks absolutely. in a lot of, uh, lot of places. Uh, and we're very comfortable with, you know, the direction that vaccines are going for mm -hmm. adults and for kids. Uh, so with that, you know, we, we do see an on-time start for our uh, fall sports, which, you know, means we'll, we'll have foot, football out there with their uh, OTAs in the third week of, uh, of August. Yep. We'll have everybody else out there, uh, you know, in that weekend, that, that last week of August, ready to, uh, to get back on the field and back into play. Uh, and we'll be competing as normal. We're looking forward to those uh, fall championships. Um, you know, the one question that we kind of still have out there a little bit, Pete, is where we're going to be with third-party venues. Um, you know, we know that places like, uh, you know, Dillon Stadium, uh, New Britain, yep. uh, you know, Field at Willowbrook Park and Veterans Park, uh, that those uh, stadiums and fields will, will be able to hold uh, our events. But when we think about college campuses, um, you know, we're not sure yet uh, what the availability of college campuses uh, will be. So some of the events we use that for in the fall, we do girls swimming. Uh, oftentimes on college campuses and yep. so you know we'll, we'll have to you know be maybe be a little bit flexible with that through the uh, the first part of next year but 
we'll adjust and do whatever we need to do to give kids good experiences. I was going to say, with, with like girl, sports like girls swimming, there's not many high schools that have pools, correct? You know, we have, we have know. a fair number with pools, and, okay. and there are a lot of uh, facilities within towns okay. uh, that kids will use, whether it's uh, a, you know, a swim f aquatic center or a swim facility in a town or a local Y or Boys and Girls Club. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the access to pools is, is pretty good in the state. As you said, not, um, I would say the majority of our schools don't have a pool uh, on campus, but they have access to a pool. Um, but when we start thinking about bringing spectators in, that's where the challenge comes. Right. Even our schools that, that have pools don't have big seating areas for pools. Right. So you're really looking at college facilities, places like Wesleyan, like Southern, uh, like Yale, uh, that have a larger seating capacities for, for pools for championship events. Yeah, because you don't want to go to a championship event and be squished in two and a half feet from the next person next to you. It's like, right. Um, and, sure. and we certainly realize how important it is for our parents to try to share in those opportunities. So when it's safe to do so, we want to try to give them the best experiences we can as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It seems like you guys are a very busy organization, especially during the school year. You know, it's it's year round. Le you know, learning never stops really, no, right? Not, no. <laughs> and, uh, and sports, you know, are, are the same way. And, and there's always something to do. We're always looking at, you know, preparations for the uh, for the next season at the same time that we're working uh, on the current season. And, and even at times thinking years in advance, we mentioned briefly in the first segment, you know, something like the, uh, the shot clock in basketball. Right. So, you know, there's a winter sport that the National Federation has recently announced that mm -hmm. uh, they're going to make that a option as a uh, as a rule, so it's not going to be mandated in high school that you use a shot clock, but it's going to be an option if a state wants to okay. uh, adopt it. And um, the uh, uh, member state associations will still maintain their status of playing under NFHS rules, whether you use a shot clock or not. In Connecticut, traditionally, it's been about a 60-40 mix of people in favor of a shot clock versus not in favor. Okay. So now, you know, we, we have a challenge over the next couple of years of um, what is the cost of implementing that? Is there enough interest in Connecticut? So that process has already started for us. We're, we're, we're talking with member school athletic directors. We'll be talking with uh, basketball coaches from the Connecticut High School Coaches Association okay. uh, to determine whether Connecticut um, moves in that direction of a, uh, of a shot clock. So, you know, that's just an example, Pete, of how year-round things are going uh, for us in, in really every sport, but, but even looking forward to, you know, two years from now. Absolutely. You think they're going to mandate the shot clock rule? We'll have to see where that goes. And uh, as I said, right now in Connecticut, we're at about 60-40. Okay. Um, you know, I think our, our coaches would largely say yes. Right, right. Uh, our athletic directors, we're no, we know, are at about 60-40. Yeah. And where we really need to talk to, um, you know, our, our principals, our superintendents, our boards of education, we right. had mentioned Cabe and Bob Rader Absolutely. previously, there's a cost to it. You yeah. know, there, there's a cost to the equipment, there's a cost to the installation. But then there's also a cost of paying an additional staff member at every game right. uh, who's going to run that shot clock. Absolutely. And it's for varsity, JV, uh, and freshmen. So, right. you know, you're, you're paying that person for three additional uh, games. Three and games. in championship games, whether it's league tournaments or CIAC events, mm -hmm. um, you know, you may even want a third, a, another official right. um, who's actually managing that clock. So there's some cost to it that... You know, oftentimes the you know the, the coaches 
you know, don't necessarily factor in and, and because it's not their job to do. Their job is to look at how do I prepare my kids and what's best for my kids? And it's exactly. the job of the administrators to look at, you know, how do we do this in a meaningful way that, that we can financially support. Absolutely. So it's going to probably come come along, come along down the road. Yeah, it won't be for next year. Okay. And the NFHS rule isn't for next year. It starts with the 22-23 school year. Oh. So, uh, you know, you'll see next year played out as normal. But again, that's just an example right. of how, you know, something that doesn't go into effect until 2022, we've already started working on how do, what does this look like in Connecticut. And that's some of the things that you'll see CIEC staff members do in every sport. Uh, throughout the uh, the years leading up to that implementation. We've got a little bit more time left. What else you want to talk about? You know, I, I really, in the time that, that we have, want sure. to um, thank uh, all of the people involved in, in yeah. our sports. Um, again, I, I think our, our athletic trainers have just done such a tremendous job with uh, with kids and return to play protocols and uh, all the work that uh, our principals, our athletic directors have had to do in contact tracing. Uh, you know, there's something that again, it, nobody was ever trained on contact tracing no. when they were becoming a teacher or administrator. So uh, the hours that they've put in uh, has just been tremendous. The support of our superintendents and our boards, uh, our officials, um, have, you know, again, have just done a, a great job. And, and our parents and our kids, you know, again, none of this would, would be able to be possible and as successful as it's been if the kids didn't follow along. And you know we're so fortunate uh, to, to have great kids that we work with every day. It's why everybody in sports and in schools, you know, do what we do. It's because we love working with kids, uh, and and really just to our kids, want to say thank you. You have done a tremendous job. You've earned everything that that you're receiving, and we look forward to getting to the end of the year with great championships and giving you everything you deserve. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, we're about to run out of time, so I want to thank you for coming down. Hopefully, we'll see you again soon. My pleasure, Pete. All right, Happy thanks, Glenn. Thanks. You too. On behalf of Glenn Longarini, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks, good night, and we'll see you next time.